On page 11 of your service folder, you'll see uh, just the notes or things to listen for in today's service. It's also printed for you or shown for you on the screen if you're joining us online. Two things just to listen for and things that will be discussed a little bit further and a little bit more in depth in our small groups this week. Which, if you haven't signed up for already, there is still time. You are still welcome to sign up for one. A great opportunity uh, to dig into God's word with a number of your, your fellow believers. Before we get to Job's conversations with his friends, it might be good for us just to review a little bit what we've heard so far. Two weeks ago when we started the book of Job, we heard about all the hardship and tragedy and pain that was brought into Job's life. Right? We heard that Job was a good man. A good man not just in the sense of good in the eyes of his friends, his people around him, but good in, in God's eyes. Uh, a faithful believer who, who lived his faith in every aspect of his life. Knowing that, we were left to question, why do bad things happen to good people? And as we looked at that account of Job and how, he, how God interacted both with the devil and, and how he saw Job, we came away understanding that as difficulties and hardships and, and pain are brought into our life, We aren't to see them as a a way of God punishing us or God getting mad or even with us over something we've done. Rather, God brings hardship and difficulty and, and at times pain into our life as a way for us to ultimately bring glory to God, which is what Job did. Right? As he responds to the pain and hardship and tragedy and and things that were brought into his life, he responds by saying, The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. The name of the Lord be praised. Even in his pain and hardship, he brought glory to God. Then last week, we saw just the pain that didn't just extend to him losing his possessions and to uh, the, the other things that came into his life, but also then to his health, but the pain that was brought even into the relationships of his life. And we see how that faith that that Job had. Uh, led him to, to lead his family in such a way that his faith was on full display, both to his children and to his wife. We learned that the way that you and I respond to pain ultimately is with the gospel, right? By going back to the promises of God and the forgiveness that our God offers us there and being able to then respond to pain with patience and mercy and forgiveness, pain that other people may bring into relationships we have. As we thought and considered that, we learned how we could be better spouses, better parents, better kids to our parents, right? Better friends, better co-workers, which all gets us to the point where we find Job today. He's still in that pile of ashes, still scraping his, his skin with a, a broken shard of pottery because of the physical ailments that had brought upon him. And we learned today that Job had a number of friends. Four of them that are at least mentioned in his book. Those four friends and Job's conversations with them take up 80% of the book of Job. If you've been reading along at home, you've gotten through about two of those discourses, each of them kind of take a turn talking to Job and then it kind of starts over. 
as we look at those conversations or just little snippets of those conversations that his friends have with Job, we, we learn a little bit about friendship. We learn a little bit about how you and I can be better friends. And perhaps we even learn a little bit about, well, things we should look for when considering friends. As we look at those conversations with Job, we're going to learn two things specifically. What friends, what true friends say and what true friends do. Let's pick it up uh, in, uh, in, in the book of Job. In our reading the first week, we, we read, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, had come upon Job. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Now, if you've read it, at least the, the first two conversations that Job has had with his friends, you quickly realize that Job's friends are a little off base in some of the things they say. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But that isn't to say that what Job's friends did wasn't good. Right? We, we hear that as Job's three friends hear all that had happened in Job's, Job's, all the trouble in Job's life, they heard about all the, the troubles that came upon him, they determined to do something, right? They, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. I suppose the first lesson we could learn, a friend shows up. They heard about all the hardships and trials that Job was going through. And they didn't just sympathize and empathize with Job and maybe go, oh boy, that sounds really tough. But they showed up. They took time out of their busy schedules to go and, and go to their friend and see what they could do to help, to comfort, to encourage, right? They, they showed up. A good friend you can think of perhaps times in your life when you were going through a difficulty and a friend was there. A friend showed up and walked with you through it. Or perhaps you've had those opportunities where you've been able to, to walk through a, a dark and difficult time with a, a friend. It's what a good friend does, doesn't he? A good friend shows up. Look what else they did. So Eliphaz, Bildad, and, and Zophar, they set out to see Job. And do you notice what their, plans was, their plan was? They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. Their intent? To sympathize and to comfort Job in his, his troubles, which I think you could, we could see as the, another positive lesson that we learn from Job's friends, right? That a true friend comforts and sympathizes. You may not have experienced, I'm fairly certain Job's friends did not experience the same pain and loss and tragedy that Job did. My guess is, as a friend that you know might be going through a difficult time or pain, you may not have experienced the same pain they are going through. But you can still go and sympathize. You can go and seek to encourage and comfort them in their hardship. You can even though you may not understand fully that the pain and the depth of the pain that they are undergoing, you can show up 
You can be there and you can comfort and encourage them. The third thing, look what Job's friends do next. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So even if you didn't experience the same things they have, as you go and and you seek to be a good friend to them, you may wonder, okay, now what do I do? What should I say? Even here, Job's friends provide a good example for us, huh? Because a, a true friend understands. A true friend understands that I don't necessarily, I may not necessarily have the right words to say, Or they might understand that nothing I say right now is going to be able to take this pain away. But a friend understands that me simply being there for them, even if I don't have the words, is a way to comfort and encourage and sympathize with my friend. It's what Job's friends did for an entire week. Right? They they saw that the pain and heartache that Job was going through, they, what do you say at that point? So they didn't say anything. Instead, they sit down with Job and they're there just simply there with him. Sitting with him in all of his pain and heartache and loss. I remember as I was going through some of the training to become a chaplain with our sheriff's office, one of the things they stressed is you may not always have the right words to share with a family or a a person who has lost a Uh, a spouse, a child, a parent, a friend. Sometimes all they want is for someone just to be there. I I believe the the, the trainer was talked about it just being simply a ministry of presence. That's what Job and his friends were doing, weren't they? They didn't say anything. They didn't do anything. They were just simply there, sitting with Job. Now, for the good things that Job did, or Job's friends did, the wheels kind of fall off when they open their mouth. Job's friends, in an effort to to seek, to comfort and encourage their friends, open their mouths, and the things that come out of their mouths are things that are not a way to comfort a, a person who is, is uh, struggling with pain and heartache. Why? First of all, Job's friends expressed really bad theology in what they said. Here's an example. Eliphaz uh, sums, it up, sums up kind of the main thrust of their message. He says, Consider now, who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright, where were the upright ever destroyed? As I, have, as I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. So if you were to summarize Eliphaz's message to Job, how would you put it? Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Therefore, Job, since all of these bad things have happened to you, you must be bad. You must have done something to really upset God. 
which we all know is not the way that God works. Right? We talked about that two weeks ago. That's not the way God works in the life of his children. A second issue with the, the friend's speeches to Job. They misrepresented God. Listen to what Bildad said. If you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Kind of a, a similar thought to, to Eliphaz, right? In essence, he says, God will come to your aid. God will come and, and help you if you are a good person. As if God's actions toward us were entirely based and contingent on our behavior. Which we know isn't right either. Right? God's actions towards us is not contingent on us. He acts completely independent of us. A final issue that you might have noticed with these comforting speeches, they, they just simply give bad advice. Listen to what Zophar said. If you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then free of fault, you will lift up your face. You will stand firm and without fear. In other words, if you act right and get rid of all the sin that's in your life, then we can stand before God and feel good about ourselves and our relationship with him. Well, good luck with that. Right? Like me, you can very quickly look at your life and go, I can try as hard as I would like to get rid of my sinful actions, my sinful words, the, the thoughts and attitudes in my heart that aren't right. And as hard as I try, they are still there. Because I have a sinful nature. Which means there is no way in the world I am ever going to be able to stand before God on my own and be completely rid of sin in my life. So if Job's friends open their mouths and express bad theology, bad advice, as children of God, what do we do? What do we say? When a friend is going through a really hard time and experiencing pain in their life, we point them to Jesus. Right? We point them to the best and truest friend that ever walked the earth. Just think of how Jesus has been a true friend to you. Right? As, as you hear Job's friends, as you, you look at how Job's friends were both good for Job and at the same time, uh, not so good of a friend to Job, my guess is as you look at, at the catalog of your life, you'd very quickly be able to point out all the times where you have failed as a friend. Those moments of, of selfishness where a friend needed you and you chose to do something on your own. You chose, I didn't have the time to help out my friend in need. Or because you didn't know what to say or what to do, you chose to do nothing. You didn't show up. Right? And you feel that guilt in your heart. Because you know it wasn't right, but you weren't quite sure what to do. Jesus looks into this world of sinners and he sees pain and he sees heartache 
And he looks at his children like you and me, and he says, they are my friends. In fact, they are my brothers and sisters. And so what does Jesus do as our friend? He shows up. Right? He, he comes down from heaven and takes on human flesh to, to live among us. He, he lives perfectly in our place. He, he goes and he dies on the cross to take away every last one of our sins, every last one of our failures to be a good friend. Jesus, as our friend, sympathizes and comforts us, huh? He comforts us by taking away that guilt of how many times we've been a failure. And he says, all of that's been taken away and paid for. He encourages us by pointing us forward and saying, you know what? You still have opportunities and I'm going to leave you here on earth to still be a good friend to people. And my guess is, as you do that, you're still going to stumble and fail at times, but I will forgive those as well. He comforts and encourages us by pointing us forward to that eternal home in heaven where not only will he take all pain away from the lives of our friends, but, but from our own lives. He comforts and encourages us with this promise of eternal life because of all he's done for us. Eternal life that is ours because we have Jesus as our friend. Jesus, as our friend, understands. Because he's been here. He understands what it's like to have friends fail him. And to respond still in love and mercy and patience. We have a Savior who gives us good advice, good encouragement, good theology, rock-solid promises, a Savior who serves as the best friend to you and me so that you and I can turn around and serve as the best friend we can to all those around us. A best friend who, who shows up, who selflessly gives up our own time in order to help others in their time of need, a friend who, who sympathizes and encourages. A friend who understands. And we can do that because Jesus has done it for us. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.